Hello, and welcome to episode 78 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Gary J. and Alfred W. to The Modern Manager community. I hope you'll take some time to explore all the guest bonuses and full episode guides and other content that is there to support your rockstar journey. For those of you who aren't members yet, head over to mamieks.com join to learn more about the membership levels including what I personally think is the best deal, which is the $50 level. And that includes a group coaching or a Q&A call with me every month. These are intimate conversations with myself and a handful of other members, and we address your specific management challenges. This is great if you're not ready to invest in private coaching, or maybe the price point is a little bit out of reach for you and your company won't pay for it. I always record these group sessions, so even if you can't attend, you can always send your questions ahead of time and I will address them on the call, and then you can go back and listen to the recording whenever you need to. Plus, when you join, you can listen to all of the previous coaching calls that took place before you became a member. What a good deal. Again, go to mamieks.com join to learn more. Now, if you've listened to the show before, you know that I like to ask my guests about a rock star manager that they worked with and what made this person so great. Well, I want to hear from all of you. Have you worked for an amazing manager? If yes, go to managerialgreatness.com and tell me about this person. And when you do, you'll have the option of getting your story aired on the show. And if you want, I'll even send the manager you mentioned a thank you note on your behalf, letting them know that you think that they are a rock star. That site is managerialgreatness.com, and the link is in the show notes, of course. All right, on to today's guest, Ruth Sukup. Ruth is a New York Times bestselling author dedicated to helping women overcome fear and create the life they love. Through her blog, Living Well, Spending Less, which reaches more than a million women each month, she encourages her readers to follow their dreams and reach their goals. She is also the host of the podcast, Do It Scared?, and the founder of the Living Well Planner and Elite Blog Academy, as well as the author of five best-selling books. Her newest book, Do It Scared, Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Obstacles, and Create a Life You Love, will be available in May of 2019. Ruth and I have a really fun conversation. We talk about the seven fear archetypes, each of which has its strengths and its struggles. We get into my fear archetype, which is a very common one, And we'll get into some specific things that you can do to manage and reduce your own fears. And of course, we will talk about how knowing your team members' fear archetypes can help you be a better manager so that you can better support your team members. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Ruth, it is such a pleasure to have you today. And I am particularly excited because I just completed your online assessment and I want to talk to you about myself. Oh my goodness. Well, I love talking about people who have taken the fear assessment. So thank you so much for having me today. It's great to be here. All right. So, you know, everybody knows you wrote a book about fear, but maybe you can start by explaining what these fear archetypes are and how you came to them. Oh, that's a big question. So basically, when I was starting to think about this topic, which was really a topic that came up because of 
my audience and the people that I serve. And it felt like fear was just a topic that kept coming up over and over again. You know, I talk a lot in my business about going after your big goals and dreams and creating a life you love. And the thing that kept coming back to me was, I'm so afraid. I don't know how to do that. You talk about going after goals and dreams. What do I do? And so it got me so curious about fear because it felt like it was such a topic that was so continuous. And not only just in the people that I was serving in my audience and customers, but even within my team and the way that I lead, you know, my employees were afraid to do certain things in different ways. And, and so I started asking a lot of questions and started diving into this topic of fear. And we ended up surveying over 4,000 people on the role of fear in their lives. And it was so much data that I had to hire a whole team of researchers and psychologists to help me go through it all and sift through the data and make sense of it all. But at the end of all of that, that big, long process, I think what we discovered was really, really fascinating. And that was that, first of all, not all fear is created equal. You know, I was really interested in figuring out what does fear look like? Is it the same for all of us? And also then what can we do about it? So the first answer was no, fear does not look the same for all of us. It actually looks very different for every single person. But there are some patterns in the way that fear plays out in our lives. And there's in fact, seven very distinct patterns, which we ended up calling the fear archetypes. And the reason why this is so important and so relevant for all of us, whether we're talking about our own fear and how that manifests itself in our lives and the way that we approach the world or in the way that we approach the way you know our employees or people that we work with or our relationships, the w- reason that is so important is because so much of that fear happens subconsciously. And to the point where we don't even necessarily recognize it as fear. We don't see it as fear in ourselves. We don't see it as fear in other people. We either think that's just the way we are, or we sometimes call it anxiety. We call it depression. We call it feeling stuck. We call it feeling overwhelmed. But really what it comes down to and the underlying thing for all of us is this fear. So once you can actually identify that fear and and see it happening and see the way that those patterns are playing out in your life, suddenly it takes away the power that it has over you because when it's happening subconsciously, you can't do anything about it. But when when you're able to actually spot those patterns, that's when you have way more control over it and you can start to actually do something about it. Yeah, there's something really powerful about just naming it and knowing that it's not me, that this is actually a thing that I can control about myself. Yes. Yes, exactly. It makes such a huge difference. It's sort of like when you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel good. And the doctor says, okay, well, tell me about your symptoms because this could either be a stomach ache or appendicitis or cancer. And I got to know which one before I can give you a cure. And fear works exactly the same way. And, and, and not just in the way that we deal with our own selves, but in, even in the way that we approach other people, understanding the way that fear is playing out in their lives. All right. So let's start with what the seven archetypes are. So can you maybe say what each one is in just like a sentence or two so that we have some context for what they are? Yes, absolutely. So the the first one, I'm going to go through them in order of commonality. The first one is the procrastinator archetype. And the procrastinator is really just another word for perfectionist, which people will often claim the perfectionist title, but not so much on the procrastinator because that sounds more negative. But really, they're kind of one in the same. And the underlying fear there for the procrastinator is the fear of making a mistake. So that can often lead to analysis paralysis or fear of moving forward or making a decision or commitment, or it results in a ton of planning and research, like overly so. 
The second one after that is the rule follower archetype, which is really almost an unhealthy fear of authority. So we all know the rule follower. They're the ones who read the instruction manual from cover to cover every single time, who always feel like there is a right way to do things in a right order and things have to be done that way all the time. The one after that is the people pleaser, which is the people pleaser in the rule follower are actually almost equal in commonality. But the people pleaser archetype is really the underlying fear of being judged or the fear of what other people will think. And so a good way to look at the difference between, say, a procrastinator and the people pleaser is that while the procrastinator is afraid of making the mistake, does not want to make a mistake, the people pleaser is more afraid of what people would say if they made the mistake or what they would think of them if they made the mistake. Very in tune with what other people will think and feel all the time to the point where they can have trouble setting boundaries or trouble saying no, or they're just always you know, worried about even speaking up or doing their thing because of what other people would say. The fourth archetype is the outcast archetype. And the outcast is probably the most ironic of all seven of the archetypes because on the surface, the outcast can appear to be very fearless. But really, the underlying fear there is a fear of rejection. And the way that often plays out is in rejecting other people before they can be rejected in return. So the outcast is one who struggles with trust issues, can sometimes have trouble working in a team environment, is really just afraid to, often afraid to ask for help because of that underlying fear of rejection. The next one is the self-doubter. And the self-doubter archetype is an underlying fear of not being capable or not being enough. And the way that often plays out is in a lot of insecurity and hypercriticism. And that hypercriticism can be of themselves, but a lot of times the self-doubter is so insecure that they won't criticize themselves publicly, they'll project that onto other people and criticize everyone else. And But really, that's coming from a place of fear. So we can probably all think of the person that we know that is constantly criticizing everyone around them. That's probably a self-doubter. The sixth one after that is the excuse maker. The excuse maker is the one who can never be pinned down. And the underlying fear there is a fear of taking responsibility or a fear of being blamed. And so I like to say the excuse maker is the friend who will never pick the restaurant when you're trying to decide where to eat because they do not want to be the one blamed if nobody likes the restaurant. They just, they're always able to rationalize and excuse every, everything that they do because they never want to be the one that are pinned down. And then the final one is the pessimist archetype. And the pessimist is usually someone who is coming from a place of having experienced hardship or adversity or tragedy or trauma or something something bad in their life and they're struggling to overcome it and it gets them stuck in a place of not wanting to try and not wanting to bother because really the underlying fear there is a fear of more pain or adversity so it almost gets them into this victim place of saying why should I even bother because things are just going to turn out badly again life's not fair so why should I even try and that is all seven in a nutshell Let's talk about this first one, the procrastinator, because I did the assessment, as I said, and that is my fear archetype, <laughs> which is a little bit surprising when I was first thinking about it and then like totally made sense as I was reading more about it. I was like, yeah, that if you talk to my husband, he would tell you that is me to a T. 
Yes. And that's the, that's definitely the most common one. And so probably you are super organized, have great attention to detail, but you also like maybe over plan and over or overthink everything and are afraid of moving forward because you feel like everything needs to be perfect all the time. Yeah. And I would add to that, that I love the research phase, which is something that happens to the procrastinators. So I would rather spend the time researching and learning and thinking and planning than actually doing. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing about all of all seven of these archetypes, and it's really important to know this, is that they each have positive qualities and negative qualities. And so there are pieces of each one that have have been serving us. Remember, like so much of this behavior stuff happens subconsciously. And so we just think that this is our personality. This is who we are. This is the way we're wired. And there are parts of that that are serving us. And so, you know, for the procrastinator, for somebody like you, like you probably do really, really good work. Like you're very thorough. And when you do something, it is done with excellence. And all of those are good qualities. And you can even be thinking the same way when you have employees, like there are going to be positive qualities of each of these, but there are also pieces of that that are holding you back. If you are afraid to get started because you don't have all the answers and you haven't sufficiently planned, it can hold you back from projects. Things can get tied up. You don't want to commit to new things because you're afraid that you don't have all the answers yet. Like part of the secret in this and learning how to overcome your fear is learning how to capture and leverage the good qualities that come with each of these archetypes while learning how to mitigate and work with and work through some of the negative qualities that might be holding you back. So what are some tips for people who are like me that (laughs) can help us recognize when our fear is driving us and not serving us well and what we can do about it? Well, I like to tell people there are micro solutions and macro solutions. So one of the micro solutions that I recommend, and this really, you know, this depends on what your specific fear archetype is because each of the fears are different. But for a procrastinator who fears making a mistake, you need to practice making mistakes and realizing that those mistakes are not going to kill you. That if things are done to 80% completion or that they are, you know, that done is better than perfect. If you can practice doing that in small ways, it builds up your courage muscle and it helps you have the courage to start doing that in bigger and bigger ways. Because the more you practice it, the easier it gets. And that rings true for any of them. So for me, I'm the outcast archetype and my fear is rejection. So the more that I practice actually being rejected, putting myself out there and having people reject me, the easier it gets. And that's something in my business that I've really had to practice, like actively practice being rejected in order to get past that fear. So there's different ways that you can do that. And then on a macro level, you know, it starts with once you've identified the fear and once you have see how these thoughts have been playing out in your life and how these behaviors have been playing out in your life, you also have to start to replace those thoughts with something else. You need to have a new positive set of core beliefs that are going to take over when all of those subconscious behaviors start to crop up. And so that's what I call it's I go through this in the book. There's part one talks about the fear archetypes and then part two talks about something I call the principles of courage, which is really learning how to adopt a new set of core beliefs in terms of fear and how you approach how you approach fear in your life. And then the third step from that is then taking action and and learning how to take small steps in the right direction that are going to get you closer to these bigger goals that are going to then help you overcome your fear because in the end action is the antidote to fear. 
So can you give us some like some stories or some examples of things that people have done to practice rejection or practice turning something in 80% or (laughs) like I'm trying to imagine what that would look like in my work. So maybe you have some stories that you can share of how other people have done those kinds of practices. Yeah. Well, I have a great example that just came in from my community about someone who's a rule follower archetype. And so she really struggles with like breaking the rules with not with doing something that's not allowed. And this was, it was a funny story, but she, she talked about how when she was at McDonald's with her kids, she takes her kids to McDonald's a lot. She had never gone into the play area with her food before because there's a sign that says no food or drink in the play area. And so after she had taken the assessment and realized this about herself, that she was a rule follower and that she needed to practice breaking the rules, she went in the McDonald's play area and brought her food (laughs) food in there. And and she shared the story kind of laughing at herself for it. But it was like such a breakthrough for her because it was something that she would have never dared to do. And it's and it can be that silly. It can be just a matter of doing just the smallest things. Every time you get into a situation where you would maybe be like spending an inordinate amount of time on a project, you say, okay, I'm just going to do this. Like I'm going to give myself a half an hour to work on this email that I would normally spend hours and hours on and tweaking and and fixing or researching on, or I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to do the research for this, and then I'm going to call it good. And you even as a procrastinator, give yourself those like firm time limits and say, this is going to be good enough. And I'm going to practice this and start with smaller things that feel like there's less at stake, because that will help you work up the courage to do bigger things that where it feels like there's more at stake. That makes so much sense. I love that McDonald's story. That is just so, so sweet. Okay. So let's talk about this now about how do you manage other people? Like how is understanding, well, one, how can you try to understand what their fears are? Are there clues that you can pick up about someone or should you just have everyone on your team do the assessment? And then let's talk about like, what do you do when you know those fears? Right. Well, those are, those are great questions. So the first thing I would say, have everybody do the assessment because that is just kind of, it opens up the the door for the conversation, which I think is always really helpful. And I know that within my own team, knowing this about each other, and we do, we actually do a few other assessments within our team too. We do strengths finders and we do the Colby. So we already love assessments and we love having more insight into each other because it does change the way that you start to relate to people. But with the fear archetype specifically, I have found that it definitely gives you a lot deeper understanding of just people's intrinsic motivations and also the things that are holding you back. Because as a manager, you can get really frustrated with people when they don't seem to be doing things in the way that you think that they should do. But if you understand that, for me, if I understand that I'm an outcast and it's very easy for me to have conflict with people to speak my mind because I don't really care about what people think and but it's also it's very difficult for me to trust people so i have to understand that about myself also that i have trouble letting go of things i have trouble asking people for help and i i have discovered about myself that i tend to hire people pleasers i think more than half my team are people pleasers and i find that some of my frustrations happen because I want people to be more like me, where they are more combative and they will speak their mind and they will fight back a little bit. And I have hired a bunch of people who are like so nice and they never want to they never want to offend me or hurt my feelings or do those kind of things. And so having that context to 
and that framework to be able to understand where each other are coming from helps lower my frustration level and increase my empathy, but also gives me the ability to say, okay, I know that you're a people pleaser and that makes you this, like these are some of the great qualities that you have because you're a people pleaser, but this is also some areas that you need to work on because you're a people pleaser. This is where what I see is holding you back in your job. Does that make sense? It does. And it makes me wonder if there are certain pairings that often happen with managers and their team members that they hire. Like, do you are you hiring people pleasers because you want to feel the, the lack of rejection? You know, they're not going to reject you, but then also that's the problem. It's possible, you know, and honestly, like we haven't done that research yet, which would be such a great thing to start paying attention to and start researching. Like that's obviously that needs to be my next book because I do see how much the fear archetypes play into all of the different dynamics within the workplace. And I think even as you're probably listening to these, like you can pick out people right away. Everybody has the person on their team who's super critical of everybody. Well, that's the self-doubter. And if you can come to a place and go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that so much of this negativity that was coming out of this person is coming from a place of fear. What can I do as a manager to help this person move past that, like that insecurity? What can I do to encourage them and build them up so that they don't have to come from a place of just of fear and criticism and feeling like they're not enough? When you realize somebody is is legitimately does not feel like they are enough versus they're not they're not just being a jerk, like that changes the whole dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. Let's talk more about this. Like what are some other examples or stories that that either from your own experience as a manager or from others of how things have changed or what you can do differently once you know the kind of fear archetype your colleague has? Well, one thing specifically in our team that we have been working on just over the last few months is a constructive conflict. So I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've read Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team book, and they talk a lot about constructive conflict and the importance of that and of fighting for the best ideas. And it's something that we've always talked about a lot within our team. And yet it didn't really totally click for me why that conflict that I felt was so necessary and was wanting to foster so much wasn't actually happening because I didn't feel like we had a lack of trust. Everyone really likes each other. We're very vulnerable with each other. There's That was not the problem. But when I started to dive into these fear archetypes, I realized that it was, like I said, I hire so many people pleasers that it was just people being so afraid to step on each other's toes because everybody's always so concerned about everyone else. We have a, <laughs> we have a great team of the literally the nicest people in the world, but that does not always lend itself to conflict. And so that's one of the areas where we've had to legitimately work on, okay, what if we made this this conflict feel less scary? And instead of just going coming straight out and saying, I disagree with you, because sometimes those people pleasers don't disagree. That's not even like an, an, a thing that comes to them. What if we made a made a policy to say, Everybody needs to practice playing devil's advocate. So even if you do agree, you have to at least one time during a conversation say, okay, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a minute and bring up the bring up the discussion that way and bring up the conflict that way where it doesn't feel like it's so personal to you, where you can still bring up the conflict, but it you don't have to feel like you're stepping on people's toes. And that's actually made a huge difference and allowed us to have more conflict 
that is helpful and healthy without having people to feel like they have to step completely outside of their personalities. I love that. It's actually a practice I encourage a lot of teams to do at their meetings as well, is, is to even take a few minutes in the meeting and say, this is our devil's advocate time. And for the next five minutes, the only thing that we can share are concerns, like poking holes in this idea, you know, what are we missing? What might go wrong? Those kinds of things. And so you're empowering everyone as you're saying, like it becomes a natural part of the conversation rather than I have to go out on a limb and say something. I love that idea. I think I'm going to start to implement that on my teams. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's so, so, so much more we could go into, but we don't have time. So everyone will just have to get your book and go on, do their assessment and all that. So for our last couple minutes, can you tell us about one of the incredible managers that you had the privilege and pleasure of working with and for and what made this person so fantastic? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I When I was in college, I worked as a retail manager and I worked at the body shop. I was an assistant manager at the body shop and I had the best manager there. Her name was Kat and she taught me so, so much. Just the way that she led was really, really inspiring and impressive because she was such a good listener and such a good teacher. And she genuinely wanted me to learn. It wasn't, you know, sometimes, especially in the retail industry, I I feel like there's kind of this cutthroat mentality. Like I got to protect my territory and I got to protect my space. And I don't want to pour into the people that work for me because they might take over and steal my job away from me. And she did not have any of that. She was so humble with everything that she did and yet really would always take the time to explain, here's why we do this and here's why I do things this way and would give me constructive feedback and, you know, would watch the way that I was managing other people and just was constantly working to help me be better. And then, you know, the funny thing was she ended up marrying a rock star of all things, this famous European rock star and moved to Spain and then recommended me for to take over her job. And I was so grateful for that because I was really young at the time and she really advocated for me to take that position, which was pretty amazing. Oh, that's awesome. And so exciting to hear of someone investing in, in a young person and, and empowering them to be a new manager. So super cool. Side question, do you think you could figure out what her fear archetype is? Oh, I would say she was definitely an outcast. Interesting. You think she's the same as you? Fascinating. I think she was probably the same as me. Mm -hmm. I think she was one of those people that had trouble trusting, but when she found somebody that she felt like she could trust, she was all in. Fascinating. All right. And where can people learn more about you and your work and take the assessment and find your book and all of that? All of the things. Uh, the easiest place to find all of it is at doitscared.com. It's the same title as the book. You can find the assessment there. We actually have some great book bonuses right now. So you can take the assessment and get the premium version of the assessment, which gives you way, goes way more in depth. And it's really, really helpful. You can get that for free when you purchase the book. So, And you can get the book anywhere books are sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. But then, yeah, go to doitscared.com for everything else. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ruth. This was really, really fun. I have learned a lot about myself and now have a lot more thinking to do about how to be less of a procrastinator and more of a doer. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to be here. And I loved, loved talking about this from a management perspective. 
Ruth has generously offered their guide to picking an accountability partner that matches your fear archetype. So everyone should go and complete that free fear assessment. And if you are a member, you can then use that criteria to help you pick an accountability partner that matches your archetype and is a good fit for your needs. This special download that Ruth is sharing is currently only available to participants in their paid coaching program. But again, if you're a member of the Modern Manager community, you can get access to it. Go to mamieks.com slash join. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash join. Also, please, please, please tell me about the Rockstar Managers in your life. It only takes two minutes and I would really love to learn from you. Go to managerialgreatness.com to answer a few quick questions and share your experience. As usual, all the links are in the show notes and they can be in your inbox if you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at mamieks.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.